It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Independent Talk. Robert Talk. News Talk. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. With the self-appointed revolutionary of reason, Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is, of course, the world headquarters of Common Sense. We have been that for a very long time. We're now the epicentre of Common Sense and we are now Talk TV as well. The big launch coming on Monday uh, with Piers Morgan, of course, and his interview with Donald Trump. For today, though, uh, we're going to talk about all manner of things, including what's been going on for the last five days. Boris Johnson is over in India trying to do bipartisan trade deals. Meanwhile, back in London, in Parliament, people are saying that he needs to be held to account. They want to hold another inquiry, ladies and gentlemen, because one inquiry is not enough. We still haven't heard from Sue Gray. We still don't know whether there are going to be pictures of Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, supping wine out of a cup, or whether he's given it in a mug so it doesn't look like it's wine, whether he's given the wine in a champagne flute. If those pictures come out, will it prove that he was at a party? People are sick to death of it. People are fed up to the back seat of it. But the London elites, the people in Parliament, the Labour Party would like to see... Boris Johnson's head on a spike as a result of something that he did two years ago, maybe one year ago. The other problem for him, though, is that some backbench Tory MPs also say it's time for him to go. Uh, Steve Baker yesterday, a man who I have a great deal of respect for, said the gig is up. It's time to go, Prime Minister. I'm not going to forgive you for the ridiculous and crazy restrictions you put on everybody over the course of two years. You didn't need to do it. You shouldn't have done it. And to prove you shouldn't have done it, you didn't even believe them yourself, for heaven's sake. So, Partygate is still on. Richard Tice is here with me. Uh, He'll have some very harsh words, I would imagine, for Boris Johnson. I called on Boris Johnson to go last November, last October, uh, when I thought it was time to do so. That was when the Tory party needed the cojones to get rid of him. But they now say it's the time now to get rid of him. Well, what's changed? How is it different? They should have done it then. They missed their opportunity. Now I say it's the wrong time to do it. But we'll debate it. We'll hear from you. 0344 499 1000. We'll be talking to Simon Calder. Kevin O'Sullivan's going to join us because he and I are doing a massive show on Saturday nights starting not this Saturday, but next Saturday uh, from 7 till 10 right here on Talk TV. It's going to be a fascinating show. Simon Calder's going to join us from some secret location, maybe an exotic location, or it could just be King's Cross Station around the back of the toilets. I don't know. Uh, but he will be here and we'll hear from you as well. 0344 499- 1,000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the Home of Common Sense, the world headquarters of it, indeed. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
And it's time to say a very, very good morning and a very warm welcome to Richard Tice, talk radio presenter, leader of political parties. You <laughs> good know, morning, Mike. Be Wonderful to be here. Be a moth of the culture wars. Indeed. And here we are in the new studio. And People you look even better it. than you normally do. Well, they're very Because kind. without <laughs> knowing, you've managed to colour coordinate yourself <laughs> to the new studio colours, which we can't reveal, of course, because everyone will see these for the first time on Tuesday. So I've been chosen to be the guinea pig, and so have you, uh, for the dummy run to make sure it all works properly. Excellent. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's all will uh, all work and people can hear us loud and clear but when they see us in vision it's amazing it really is it's yep. fantastic can't wait uh, it's going to be a very exciting week talk tv kicking off we won't mention the thing that you and i had a disagreement about yesterday <laughs> uh, obviously but piers morgan will be up uh, on monday uh, with the first part of the trump interview let's talk about boris though he's away in india uh, i saw yesterday one of those what i thought was going to become one of those kind of meme type videos of him getting a turban put around his head <laughs> where he looked something like carry on up the kyber i mean it looks Just, ridiculous he looked and, and you just thought that's he Boris for utterly you, ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. But, but meanwhile, back in London, the serious it's all changed. business, the serious business of, of, of him actually being held to account was carrying on. Absolutely, I, I think it's a mistake. You don't, right? So, but actually, you seem to have changed your convictions, Mike, because you were the first person, really. Yeah, I think very bravely, but correctly, to call out Boris. Uh, autumn last year, you said he's not the right man to lead the recovery. Yes. And that it got us through COVID, but actually the country had some challenges. He wasn't the right person. You were right then. I was. And the truth is that actually nothing's changed. In fact, the challenges have got worse and your original conviction was right. And here's the reason why I think people are getting this wrong. People are confusing cake and a party with actually the reason why Boris is under pressure. He's not under pressure because of that. He's under pressure because he lied to Parliament and he deliberately misled Parliament. Yes. And that is a well, massive Jacob Rees-Mogg, when he, that was put to him by Julie Hartley Brewer last week, said that is a very strong word to use. He admonished her for using it and said, you cannot say that he lied. Because only in the world of politics, which you've been in a long time, can you say something and say, but I didn't know it was a lie at the time because I thought it was the truth. Now I've realised it might have been a lie. No. I'm ter- terribly sorry. Look, <laughs> I, th- I think anybody knows that basically... This is a man who has a very tenuous relationship with the truth. Yes. And, you know, the convention is that a minister or a prime minister is not allowed to uh, mislead the House of Commons. And if they do, then they have to correct the record. And he hasn't done that because he, you know, he lied. And it wasn't just once. He knowingly did it. He must have known that he was at these gatherings, for heaven's sake. I mean, I can accept, for example, that he didn't believe that the birthday cake yeah, scenario that's, that's, was a party right but that's only one of that, several, that's only one of a number there right. are going to be more fines but the real point and the reason why actually you know i've been out uh, i've been in the midlands i've been in the north in the last three days and let me tell you i think the majority of people they in their heart of hearts they say actually this man does not tell the truth and should not be leading the country and i think that's why this has come back and the last couple of days have been very uncomfortable for the Prime Minister, and rightly so. Yeah. And when you've got people like Steve Baker, who completely turn turtle between Tuesday and Thursday... Yeah. And who very much understands the, the ordinary man and woman in the street who he, vote He Tory. does, and uh, as do many others. I, I think that uh, Tory MPs who look very glum, they realise that actually they're being asked to sort of you know, be marched up, uh, you know, marched up the hill again right. by the grand old Duke of York and then left floundering behind enemy lines. I yes. mean, that's essentially because that's what happened with the Patterson affair. Yeah. They don't want that to happen again. 
and they can't defend the indefensible. And one of the things that I said back in autumn, and, and you're right to say that I was right. Of course I was right, because I always am, right? And I'm right <laughs> but now. Not, but I'm also but you're right not now. now. But I'm right now as well, because what I said then was you're going to wait and see what he's going to do next. Because what you do know about Boris Johnson is that he will do something else, which will take you even further up some kind of cul-de-sac of doom. Well, well I'm afraid and it, it is. Might, and it might be worse. And, and he cannot stop lying. It's in the papers again today. Yeah. Yesterday, he said to journalists in India that he's not going to reduce one of the obvious ways of easing the pressure on bills, which is to get rid of the environmental levies uh, on all our electricity bills. He said, no, we've got to keep those because renewables are reducing our bills. That is a flat lie. Renewable subsidies... They're not doing that, are they? ...which are now totalling over £10 a year and rising with inflation... And the transmission cost, the network operating cost, is another five billion. That has dramatically increased our electricity bills. And our prime minister, he is—he he must know. He's not a stupid man. He must know that the renewable subsidies has increased bills, and yet he has the barefaced cheek to try and tell us that they're bringing bills down. Yes, that is a, and it is just yet another lie. Right. And I think it's why people know in their heart of hearts, this is a man who you cannot trust anything that comes out of either side of his mouth. It doesn't matter right. which one. And I think that the, the conversation that has been had, though, by people like yourself who have now had enough, others who say that, well, we kind of knew that that's what he was like. I and mean, their justification for keeping Boris Johnson in right now is that, well, you should have known he was going to tell a load of lies because that's what he always does. You should have known that when you voted for him. And when you did vote for him, you probably did know that. So why are you surprised? He, he, well, because you said it again last autumn. He was put in the job to get a job done, which was to get Brexit done. No one knew that COVID was coming around the corner Mm. uh, and the cost of living and things. But we did know, actually, those of us who looked at it did know there was going to be an issue with energy. But he's not doing anything that he could do. Mm. He could be cutting taxes hard because the government finances are much stronger than they're telling the truth about. Uh, He could be cutting the energy bills by getting rid of the levies, by getting rid of VAT on fuel, domestic fuel, which you can do thanks to Brexit. And more besides, but he's not doing any of that. So what's the point of him? Yeah. If he's not delivering what... on the challenges that we face, yes. instead he wants us to plant trees and have ever more offshore wind right. farms that will but increase the bills. But let me ask you this question, Richard, and this is why I've changed my mind on why he shouldn't go now, is precisely because there isn't really anyone that would change oh, any of that. Come Who on. on earth would do a better job than he's currently doing? You might not like him. You might think he's a liar. The idea... Who the, is going to take over and do exactly what you want? The idea that amongst the 370-odd Tory MPs, there's no one capable of running the country is a complete... Well, you could probably write off 300... Well, 360 of them certainly aren't. No, look, there's plenty of them. I mean, for example, if you want someone who's competent on Ukraine, for example, then Ben Wallace has done a sterling job. I don't know who Ben Wallace is. Do you know anything about him? I don't. I'm just saying, you've asked me a question. Are there other people there? In terms of what I want, which is cutting taxes, cutting energy costs, people like John Redwood... Uh, you know, like that. Yeah, like but you Duncan can't make Smith. John Redwood Prime Minister because as much as we like to talk oh, no, to him but, but you on this station... Who could do the job? They could do the job. That's different. Mm. I'm answering the question. Who could do the job? There are plenty who could do the job. Who could win an election for them is a different question. It's a I different accept. question. No, but also, Prime Ministerially speaking, it's not simply, oh, John Redwood's a good egg, he's got the right instincts, he follows Thatcherite sort of principles of economics and he would be But they've be got to be statesmanlike, they've, they've got to be got, you know, John Redwood is not statesmanlike. I mean, all we've got to do is replay that video of him singing the Welsh well, National Anthem. I know that was a long no, time it's ago. It's a long time ago. But I'm sorry, <laughs> that's what sticks in politics. No. You know that better than anybody. No, come on, that's 30 plus I years I mean, I would ago. have you as Prime Minister because I think you <laughs> do a great it. job. 
Honestly. The, the reality is someone like that, who's got real conviction, yeah. who understands how an economy works, uh, would do a far better job. So I think there's a number of them that could do it. Sunak obviously was the person, but you know his time has gone, his as we time said. Has gone. Uh, that's long gone. I just... The idea that there's no one else but Boris just simply doesn't pass but doesn't, the test. Here's the thing that I think is important. During the time that we've been through, since last November or October when I was calling for him to go, not one person in the Cabinet really has said anything at all against Boris Johnson. Rhys Mogg himself, when he was on with Julia, uh, said, well, of course, I wasn't, well, because, uh, I wasn't yeah, for an awful lot of the But obviously, measures. because that's the role of collective responsibility. Yeah, they, but, they can't, otherwise they have to resign. No, but my point, my, I guess the point I'm getting to is, is that the point, the, the trouble with the Tory party is they're lily-livered, they're frightened, but, they're but, all so, waiting for somebody to put the first foot forward, then they might but go behind them. For example, the candidate um, David Frost, Lord yeah. Frost, actually, he could uh, stand in a safe Tory seat, uh, someone could step down, and he would be then a prime candidate of someone he might who, is, who is statesmanlike, who understands traditional, proper uh, conservative values about cutting taxes and, and what's required. He's, he's pro shale gas. Um, so you know, he, could, he gets it. Could he do the job is the question. He, he could, in my view, he could definitely do the job. And uh, I've no doubt about that. The, the question mark, obviously, that Tory MPs have to look around, who could win an election mm. uh, against... Uh, a Labour Party that is clearly in a better place than it was a year or two ago. Yes. It's no longer dead and buried. It's, it's no only, longer dead and it's buried. It's only dead, I think, is the question you're <laughs> it's looking twitching. for. It's, it's twitching. It's twitching, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's trying to give it life support, but it's not Keir Starmer. <laughs> Stay with us. Uh, Richard Tice is here. We are debating what should be happening next, because in the end... If you want to replace Boris Johnson or you want him to stay, you must have a reason for doing both and you must have an answer for what happens next. And that's what I want to hear from you about. 0344 499 1000. More from Richard Tice and me, Mike Graham, coming next. Talk radio. Up front and bold as brass. Rev it up and ran it out. The nation's best debate. Loud. Alive. A hippie to the hippie to the hip hip hop. Talk radio. The home of common sense. And I'm afraid I'm now in a position where... I have to acknowledge that if the Prime Minister occupied any other office of senior responsibility, if he was a Secretary of State, if he was a Minister of State, a Parliamentary Undersecretary, a Permanent Secretary, a Director General, if he was a Chief Executive of a private company or a Board Director, he would be long gone. The reason that he is not long gone is because removing a sitting Prime Minister is an extremely grave matter, and goodness knows people will know I've had something to do with that too. It's an extremely grave matter, an extremely big decision, and it tends to untether history. And all of us, all of us should approach such things with reverence and awe and an awareness of the difficulty of doing it and the potential consequences, and that's why I've been tempted to forgive. But I have to say now, the possibility of that really for me, has gone. I have to say, I'm sorry, that for not obeying the letter and the spirit, and I think we have heard that the Prime Minister did know what the letter was, the Prime Minister now should be long gone. Yeah, Madam Deputy Speaker, I'll certainly vote for this motion, but really, the Prime Minister should just know the gig. The gig is up, says Steve Baker. The Prime Minister should be long gone. His words, um, Richard Tice agrees. Um, I'm sure this will carry on all the way through to your show on, on Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock. Don't miss it. Um, he'll be he in here in this bright new studio as well. The problem, I think, for Boris Johnson is that they don't see what's going on. I was out last night in town um, in what would normally be seen as a pretty busy restaurant in Covent Garden, and it was literally a quarter full, right? Wow. Tables empty. 
I went to a, a cocktail bar later, which is normally round with people. There were literally two other tables occupied. Yeah, there you I are. think people are not spending the kind of money because they can't afford it anymore. And I was campaigning in a pub uh, just a couple of days ago, south of East London, and the publican who's been there 36 years, she said last Saturday was the quietest in her whole time there in 36 years, Easter Saturday. She just took literally a couple of hundred quid. Yeah. And so, and that's the reality out there. I think and that, the, the reality the end, is it's hitting. Listen, the, the bottom line for me is that, you know, I, I don't believe Boris Johnson should be Prime Minister. I don't think now's the time to get rid of him for all sorts of reasons, um, which we've some of which we've gone into. But, yeah, I mean, as I, I haven't changed my mind. I've simply kind of put that what's, on hold. What's depressing me is that there are things that this government could do to show that they're in touch with people's you know, suffering, mm. the financial pain people are going through, and they could do things about it. And the fact that they're not shows that they're out of touch and that many of the problems that people are facing actually are self-inflicted by this government mm. that refuses to do anything about it. Yeah. And I think that's unforgivable. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And let's talk about the people behind them, i.e. the civil service. Richard yes. Littlejohn today in The Mail has written a great piece. Uh, get back to work, solve the migrant crisis, no Prime Minister. I mean, we've learned uh, earlier in the week from Jacob Rees-Mogg that many departments are simply not there Quarter, quarter of the pub, of, of, of the of the public officials in the, the the work and pensions department working in the office, seventy five percent working from home, and similar for for the home office, for the foreign office, it's absolutely disgraceful. It, it is absolutely disgraceful, and uh, the the reality is, you can see the results because there is a productivity crisis, mm. there's an output crisis. Whether you're trying to get a passport, driving license renewal, uh, you know, for example, in in the health service waiting lists going is it a coincidence you've got waiting lists soaring and yet you've got nobody uh, from the senior management of the nhs the department of health and social mm. care in the office the, right. their department i think is down to about 10 percent. right so you know i think that actually they have got to get back to the office and little john's article wonderful sort of headline the home office is like a clapped out cortina <laughs> well, many of the listeners um yes may remember cortinas uh, it was always a bit of a clapped out before my but, time, but I do remember them. Yeah, absolutely right. So I just think that they have got to get back uh, to work. And if not, frankly, um, you've got to say, well, if you think the job can be done from your home yeah. in, in in leafy Hertfordshire, well, maybe it could be done from someone else's home well, exactly. in leafy Bangladesh. Absolutely. Um, here's the other thing, though, because what we found also this week is that it's ideologically challenged. You know, there is nobody working there who believes the word that Pretty Patel yes. says, and, and quite frankly, who doesn't want to do what she wants them to do. She overrode them in order to get the policy through on Rwanda. Even her head advisor told her not to do it and has said it's unworkable. I've said quite clearly, and I'll say it again, that... It will only be workable if she gets a whole new team from outside the Home Office yeah. dedicated to sorting. And sometimes something is, is so broken that actually you might as well demolish it and start again mm. and rebuild it. Absolutely. And whether it's the same with the building, I actually think with, with certain departments, and the Home Office is probably one and of them. just not fit for purpose. The, the, you, you know, rather than try and repair it, you're better, frankly, to scrap it and start But again. John Reid said it wasn't fit for purpose back in the days yeah. of Gordon Home. Brown and Tony Blair. And it hasn't got better. It's got bloody worse. It's got worse. That's the reality. And in so many different parts, you know, you don't mind paying for a good service, a high quality product, yeah. right? We're all paying more and more tax across all our walks of life. And we're getting a worse and worse service. Mm. And at some point, we've got to say enough 
is enough. Absolutely right. Because the other problem we're all going to have with this working from home baloney is that there are still portions of the, of the cities of this country which are li- li- lying empty. We had a call this week from a guy from Dundee who said there's a brand new building been put up there, uh, which is a beautiful, lovely yeah. looking sort of structure right down on the banks of the Tay. And it's not even being occupied. And it was yeah, built for the, for the Social Security Department. There's nobody in there. Wow. I, I mean, that's just another great example. And, I mean, the value of the empty buildings here in central London that should be occupied by civil servants, if they think they're so good at working from home, well, maybe uh, we should either rent out or sell those buildings, and maybe they should take a pay cut to reflect the savings in transport mm. uh, and their sort of London waiting, yeah. uh, and then see what they think of that. Yes, absolutely right. A couple of other things to bring up um, while we're here. What about... Um, the Russian situation, because I heard actually this morning, funnily enough, listening to what can only be described as the other side. Um, there was a woman on from Germany talking about, you know, why the Germans can't give up on the, the sort of addiction to Russian coal and uh, Russian gas. She said that they were trying to. It was very unconvincing. Um, and when she was asked, well, you know, why don't you just stop now? you know, instead of phasing it down. She was like, well, there's no point finger-pointing. You know, Britain is still buying gas from Russia, which apparently we are, um, not to the same extent that they are. Tiny amounts relative to Germany. But still, Germany Germany is bankrolling continually the Russian war on Ukraine. I mean, that is the reality, is that because of their naivety, they're totally exposed, and they're not reducing their dependency on gas, anything like quick enough. And essentially what Germany is saying, we don't want to take any pain, any financial pain whatsoever, despite the fact that the Ukrainians are taking physical pain, death and destruction every minute of every hour of every day. Uh, you know, if the Germans, they, oh, we're a bit worried, it might cost us a few, a few euros and therefore we're not prepared to do it. I think that's absolutely appalling. I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday. I think there's got to be a massive wake-up call. Mm. And the Germans are even refusing to send the appropriate heavy weapons that Ukraine has been asking for. Yeah. So you have to say, hang on, Germany, whose side are you on, folks? Right. Look, and they've got to step up to the plate. Mm. It's just they not really good have. enough. And yet Boris is in India talking to the Indian government, and India famously, very, very close to Russia, has not condemned Russian activities in Ukraine. You know, I don't think that's a problem, particularly, because I think we can't go around telling everybody what to think, because you wouldn't want us to be told that. Similarly... Um, Germany, I suppose, but then they're supposed to be part of the European Union. And they're all going on about how we should all think together the same and, way. And they're also, uh, of course, part of NATO. Yeah. You know, they are part of the Western Defensive Alliance. And I think what, what, what I think is shocking is that they're basically putting uh, their own finances ahead of principles, values, and doing the right thing, which I think many other countries uh, right. are doing. So, you know, and I think it's. It just brings us on also to the issue of uh, actually the Russian people, because this only ends when the Russian people say to Putin, enough, you know, we're done. And, uh, you know, I think, therefore, that actually, for example, the the story about Wimbledon saying that uh, the Russian and Belarusian players couldn't play, I actually support that decision because people can't just think, oh... um, Apart from Ukraine, you know, it's, life can carry on as normal if you're a Russian uh, sports star or something but else. But is it right to punish them? Well, the bottom line is that this only ends when the Russian people uh, get rid of Putin. You know, if there's a ceasefire, we can't think that the sanctions should end now. Right. Forget it. But if that's the case, then, why do we let people from China come and play at Wimbledon? Well, you know, uh, you can't stop everyone, can well, you? you know, but China hasn't invaded... Um, and I'm not saying that China hasn't invaded someone else's sovereign space. No. Well, and 
you, well, maybe we might, not. We might have they, issues. They, they, they've gone into Tibet. We might have twice. issues. But, but ultimately, um, we've got a major European war caused by Putin. And th- this will only stop when the Russian people uh, get rid of him. And I think people have got to know that there are consequences. But shouldn't should we also understand the Russian psyche? Because, like, similarly, I would not tell the Indian people or the Indian government what to think, who to deal with, how to react. Uh, that's, if, similarly, if they, if if they you, want to keep him in place, that's fine. But there are consequences of course, to your actions of and course. your decisions. But if, you, but if you push the Russian people into a corner in the same way that you push Vladimir Putin into a corner, maybe they act the same way he does. Well, uh, and say, well, then, to then, hell with you. Then that's their decision. But they can't have it both ways. They can't say, oh, we want life as normal uh, for all of us to be travelling around the world, playing in nice sporting events and earning lots of prize money, um, when actually uh, our president is a genocidal maniac that's, that's killing people uh, in their tens of thousands mm. in another European country. Yeah. It's just, you know, you can't have it both ways, folks. No, I think it's a very good point. It's a very well-weighed one. Um, coming up on a Sunday, Richard Tice, of course, will be here, uh, as well as all of the stuff we've talked about. You've always got something up your sleeve. Oh, that, yes, uh, I, I will have are, other things up the sleeve that yeah. uh, will emerge over the next couple of days. It's a so. great show. I love listening to it because it coincides with me usually driving to the beach with the dog. The dog's <laughs> a big fan as well, by the way. <laughs> Loves it. Um, talk radio, soon to be Talk TV. Richard Tice, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Don't miss it. We'll be here until 1. There's loads going on. We're in this brand new, beautiful-looking studio. People are already telling me it sounds better already. It's amazing what new microphones can do. Uh, Let's get some news headlines. Fast talk. Street talk. Talk radio. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on talk radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham. What's a bit loud, that? We're in a new studio. Uh, you don't know what it looks like yet, but you, when you see it, you'll be literally gobsmacked. You'll be wound up to the gills, the gunnels even. Jeremy Carl's come up to have a look at it. Well, Jeremy. So do breakfast, Carl. Stay downstairs in the bowels of the In the bowels of the, of the radio, earth. They couldn't trust you with, no. with opening it up. Although, much to my chagrin, I come in here thinking I'm the first person to try it out. Apparently, O'Sullivan was in here last night, and they were checking the lights. Gets where water doesn't. Listen, um, they've got the lights wrong, by the way, so it's a, O'Sullivan. I'm going to blame O'Sullivan for that. Because Absolutely. I'm wearing a very nice pink shirt with Mike, a blue jacket. Smart. Uh, I've got a blue and uh, white striped tie by Paul Smith. Can I just point out, yes. everybody has laughed at me for six months for yeah. wearing blue shirts and pink shirts yeah. because of the blue background. Yes. Now you're following suit. I am. I am. I've also got this here, look, as well. I've got the He's MG got MG on the, in the inside. In the inside. I once had somebody... I've got full a, narcissist. I once had a... Um, what? Full narcissist. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Just carry on. <laughs> something else. Too long. All right, listen. Life. Carl's here. Um, he's going to be back, of course. He was on breakfast this morning. He's still here. He loves the place that much. He I can't, do. He can't bring himself to go home. No. Listen, we're going to talk to Simon Calder coming up. Uh, I don't know where he's going to be. He's always in some exotic location. Dover. And even if he's only at King's Cross Station, he yeah. makes it look exotic. Uh, we'll take more of your calls, of course, 03444991000. The big question is, do you want to see the back of Boris or not? Lots of people do. Richard Tice is one of them. Uh, Steve Baker, who I think is a great MP, says his time is up. The gig is up. It's time for him to go. I've been calling for him to go since October, but now I don't want him to go. So go figure. Uh, 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Soon, of course, to be Talk TV, which is very exciting. Hence the new studio, yes, which is very all blue instead of the red and black is gone. Mm. I, always, You know, it's funny, isn't it? When you, when you change things, it's, I mean, I don't do decorating. I don't paint or anything like that, you know. 
But when you when it gets changed, you always go, oh, actually, I quite like that now that it's changed. Always it. the way. A few new tiles, a little yeah. paint, Bob's your own. Yeah, it's exactly all the same, right. But it looks different. Yeah, it looks different. It's brighter. Uh, we've got a bright future here, Jeremy, I have to say. Since you've really come, uh, to be we've here. gone. People keep saying to me, oh, why are you changing it? Why do you keep changing it? Well, because we've kept changing you it. You have ever to since evolve, the start. my friends. We you started have to out as a radio station, right? Yeah. Uh, where there was no visuals. I did the overnight show the night of the Brexit referendum. And I can't tell you how different it is now from what we did then. That was over in Hatfields in the old studio where there were mice, there were fruit flies. People used to leave, you know, like cartons of cornflakes out for days I on end. I coming to a show there and thinking, is this a radio yeah. show? You know, Lord dump? Sugar came there once Didn't and he? there was a dog uh, that belonged to somebody who was sight impaired. Dog threw up on his shoes. I mean, that was what talk radio, talk sport was all about. And I have to say as well, and I will say it, I don't care, um, the... the the supremely brilliant idea of Denny Morris, yes. our boss, to put a, a streaming a camera is genius and actually is the hybrid reason why By Talk TV is launching on Monday. He came, the into, me, he came into me one morning, and you'll know this because you started in radio, which is why you're so great still oh, on the radio. Um, but then you became a TV star. You know, um, when we started on the radio, I didn't get, I didn't think I was going to be talking about the colour of my shirt or, or the no. suit I was wearing. Absolutely. He came into me one day and he said, Look into that camera. And that was where it started. Of course. And, and I didn't and know what he was talking about. And actually, that is the concept for, for, for Talk TV that launches on, on, on Monday night with, with Tom Newton Dunn's news desk and Piers is back, of course, with the Uncensored show and uh, more news Yeah, he came up. back with a bit of a bang yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, hey? yeah, yeah <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, who have I got tomorrow on The Breakfast Show? <laughs> Dave Levine. He's got Donald Trump. I'm not doing very well, to yeah, be perfectly Yeah, exactly honest. right. I want to rant a little bit. Go Can on, I, please. Ha- we, yesterday was the 96th birthday of the Queen. Yes. And, and, and you know, I, I repeat... What I've said, I don't think this country will ever fully appreciate what a wonderful woman she is. I think the monarchy in a part will die with her. I don't care what anybody says. Totally. Who the hell does Harry think he is? I didn't have a chance to talk about this in too much detail yesterday. Great article in the uh, Mail by Richard Kay today. Yes, he makes her laugh, but he's not her favourite grandchild. He had scrapes with her dresser and top aid, and she's now wearing them. Who does he think he is? It says today the royals are wearied by him. Of course you'd be wearied, because every time Harry apparently comes to what, talk to the Queen's saver or that... Then he goes straight to the press. Yes. And, I, and I'm, and I'm That's so not on, is And it? the people who say we're against them, so stop talking about it. But mm. my concern is the Queen, yeah. not this upstart. Go no. back to America with your country. I mean, imagine really what she must me. do when she wakes up and she sees that he's gone straight from basically the plane to the NBC studio. Really? Hasn't even seen his kids. He hasn't even brought his children to see her. Lilibet. Lilibet, who's named after her, supposedly. Yeah. That's not at all a commercial decision. No right? no, no permission. Didn't no, ask. Didn't her, ask. Did it. Yeah. Hasn't even shut. The, the Queen hasn't even met her. No. How awful is that? I, I, I just, I, I, you know, somebody once said to me, and I can't actually say it on the radio, that he is completely governed by his wife in, in more ways than one. Indeed. Somebody also said to me the other day, she'll throw There's him There's a out. word for that. Yeah, you get whipped. Um, it's true. And, 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 and I think that, that, that it won't last. No. And he'll come back with his tail between his legs. But I think he has to remember one thing. The British public love the Queen. They're not so keen on the rest of the royal family yeah. because the, the jury's out. He will really struggle to recover. His disrespect to his grandmother, his disrespect to his grandmother. But I'll tell you who they also like is William and Kate. Of course. And William and Kate are doing it right. There's an argument and, to bypass And William Charles, also actually. lost his mother, by the way. Yeah. You know, they had the same mother. Yeah. One of them turned out like William, and one of them turned out like this spoiled little And what, is it, what so. does he say? He said, I, I need to come and protect her. She talks to me. And then he says, and this is the thing, I feel my mother's with me now. She's dealt with William, and now she's with me. It just, to me, doesn't sound that genuine, Mike. No. It just annoys Rubbish. me, you know? And really also, does. all this rubbish about, you know, I won't, I won't rest until uh, I can achieve equality in the world. Well, that's all very well when you've got a £30 million trust fund. You know, is he, equality? Giving, half of, is he giving half of that to me? You no. know, I could do with it. 
It's like Lewis Hamilton. He's going to buy Chelsea. I tell you what, stop moaning about the poverty and give Chelsea. some of your ill-gotten gains away. I don't away. think we should allow people who live in foreign countries... Uh, Pay some British access. tax. Yes, come, absolutely. You know, come and live here, mate, if you want to buy And, and also, just before I go, Boris Johnson, yeah. I, I, I'm just Stay tired. What? Stay or go. What, you want an elected a prime minister to be thrown out by a, an opposition that have got nothing... That's a very interesting they... interpretation of my question. Well, no, I just I... said you wanted to stay or go. I didn't ask you for now. a re-opening. Stay. Uh, stay. Stay. Okay. And I'll tell you what I need to hear from the opposition. Short one up for stay. Tell me, right, go tell on. me, opposition, what you would do about the cost of living, what you would do about Ukraine. Show us that you've got something about you, Starmer, because all you're doing Starmer's is... Idiot. But He's got the charisma of a paper bag. There's yes. nothing, man. And I don't care what anybody said. They go, he's a wonderful man. No, no he's, he's not. He's boring. He's not a wonderful he's man. Boring. How do you even know that? No. Nobody, people think, so all these lefties think they're the only decent, like, like that other idiot, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who thinks if you're a Tory, you can't possibly be moral or Christian. Well, I, I'm not sure that it says that he should be pushing his left wing views onto his congregation. I'll tell you what Justin Welby needs to do is work out why his flock shrinks on a daily basis, because he should be concentrating well, on get spiritual that, matters. Yes, shrinking. yes, your flock Sorry. is shrinking. Very good, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Keep, get your own house in. Yeah. Don't start me on all that stuff because exactly. I'll be here all day. Yeah. The truth is, well, be concentrate on where your nose is supposed to be. Exactly right. Uh, stick it up your mitre. Hey, what a mighty comment that was! Thank you very much indeed. Have a lovely Jeremy weekend. Carl. Have a great weekend. We'll Thanks, see mate. you on Monday. For Monday Drive. Talk Radio. Talk I won't radio. be in a suit. Uh, You'll be Talk TV nearly, but we'll be back on television. He'll be back on television uh, on Tuesday. It's going to be amazing because television is the future. Uh, let's talk to Simon Corner. I don't know where he is. Simon, a very good morning to you. Uh, yeah, for contractual reasons, I'm afraid, Mike, I'm not able to tell you where I am, but Excellent. I am here. Yes, well, as okay. long as you're in and the bowels, you're in the. You looks like you're in the bowels of something. Um, so I'm very happy to, <laughs> to, to be greeting you. Now, we are now sort of coming to the end for those people who happen to be rich enough to have children in private school uh, to come to the end of the Easter holidays. Um, I would say to you, if I was to give marks out of 10 for the travel business, I think it would be somewhere between a two and a three. Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to give them a six or a seven. Really? Mike, yeah, because actually an awful lot of people are getting away on fantastic holidays. And this is an industry which has been utterly traumatised. We went into the coronavirus pandemic, as you and I have discussed, Mike, with absolutely the best travel industry anywhere in the world. You have wider horizons, better value, safer standards. Everything was uh, looking great at the start of 2020. I remember tweeting fondly on New Year's Day, hey everybody, this is going to be the most amazing decade ever for travel. What an idiot. I know, um, but listen, yeah. you can't get everything right, Simon. I mean, you know, that's, that's impossible even for someone of your uh, immense uh, wisdom. But tell us about the future, because the next thing people are going to be looking forward to, probably half term, possibly the summer. We were yeah. given sort of stern warnings in the last week or so that it's not going to get any better. There's going to be queues at Heathrow. Yeah. We still don't have enough sort of border guards. We still don't have enough pilots and air crew and all of that. Uh, a lot of masks coming off, though, all over the world. Uh, yes. OK, so well, let's start on the chaos, shall we? And it is absolutely true. And um, uh, talk radio listeners have already been talking about this on social media. Yes, you and I are going to be flying those planes this summer. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we, we're going to get some training. So that will be good. No, um, the, the queues at Heathrow aren't actually that bad. I'll tell you why they're not bad. And that's because British Airways is cancelling about 100 flights a day. Um, extraordinary times. Uh, EasyJet cancelling 70 flights a day many of those to and from its main base at uh, London Gatwick. They really do have staff shortage um, 
Mike, they do not have the resources to fly the program that they have planned. Right. That reduction in the amount of availability is actually pushing up prices. Um, and of course, it's only one aspect, uh, the, the, the actual flying there and back. You've got to get the security in place. Um, Manchester seems to be improving and Birmingham and Stansted and so on. So those aren't too bad. Um, but there's going to be pressures all the way through the summer. I reckon it's going to be roughly an 80% summer, 80% as much travel as 2019. And maybe the industry is only kind of properly equipped for 70, 75%. So right. there's going to be stresses, strains, cues, mess ups and everything. Um, but uh, as you say, things are getting easier. Can you believe I was just checking this it's only five weeks today since the uk scrapped all its COVID right? travel restrictions yeah it's, i mean it seems like a very long time ago yeah. but of course what we do come across now and i talk to people a lot about this is is you know what exactly are the, are the situations in different countries like yeah. for example in europe because it's all very well for us to go well we don't have to worry uh, but there are plenty of places still where you can't go if you haven't been vaccinated and worse than that where you can't go if you've been vaccinated too long ago Yes, exactly. It's the old 270-day rule. Let me tell you what the score is basically for France, Spain, Portugal, Greece. There is some variation between them, but, mm. but they're really keen to see you, even you, Mike, if you've been fully Well, vaccinated. I'm not interested. I'm not going to France anytime soon. I'm afraid I've got a television station to run. <laughs> right, OK, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, lucky, lucky audience, that's I all I can say. And lucky, lucky French as well, actually. Um, but uh, no, so, so here's the go. Fully vaccinated, you're welcome. You're probably going to have to fill in a pesky form before you're allowed on the plane. But the question is, how do you define fully vaccinated? Yes. And generally, for European countries, it's have you had both your jabs and was the last one within 270 days, which is roughly nine months? And if you haven't, uh, if it was longer ago than that, right, have you had your booster? And if you've had your booster, generally no time limit on it. Um, some places are starting to bring in a time limit, but most of them aren't. And for our top destinations, that's what they want to see. Um, and, and once you've got that, um, you are then uh, able to travel. If you're not fully vaccinated, then it varies from Spain saying, well, we're... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Not interested, frankly, unless you've got a certificate of recovery from COVID. Other places, um, uh, say, for instance, Portugal, yeah, you can come in, but you're going to have to have a lateral flow taken within uh, 20 hours. And where do you hours. find all this information? Because it's quite difficult if you're yeah. just a family of four looking to book a summer holiday. How do you know what you have to do? Well, a good place to start is an actual human travel agent because they um, have been doing nothing but being immersed in all this stuff. Right. And certainly they will have absolutely the latest. Um, if you're doing stuff on your own, then the place to start is actually just tapping into your favourite search engine. I wonder what that could be. Mm. Foreign office and the name of the country you're going to. Right. That will bring up the entry requirements. You have a look at those. You try and make head or tail of them. But then you go to the tourism site, the official tourism site for the country that you're going to. And depending on who it is, if it's Greece, they'll generally actually say things fairly carefully. If it's Portugal, then they will they, they will make things sound really bafflingly difficult. Mm. But you will be able to pick, uh, put it all together and um, uh, you've just got to get all your ducks in a row. But we are far from anything like the olden days mm. unless... You are going to be going to a um, country like uh, Hungary or Poland where they've just got rid of... Um, they've got rid uh, of Norway, I think, as well, right? Yep. Um, no, they haven't got rid of Norway. Oh, sorry, Norway's got rid of its restrictions, yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, I've so, never been to Norway, um, so oh. I'm thinking it might be a time to take a little trip up there. Probably quite nice in the summer, I would have thought. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Two words to help you. Duty free. Duty free. Otherwise, you, you want a beer, that would be £10, thank you. Yeah, but I wanted a whole one, not, not a little half pint. <laughs> yes, um, I mean, I remember from my days of working in Scotland that whenever yeah. there was a football match involving any Scandinavian country, uh, the Scandinavians would all come over in their droves and you know, running about the city getting absolutely pie-eyed because they couldn't believe how cheap the booze was. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, tell you what, in terms of Scandinavia, I mean, I was in beautiful um, Estonia. Yes. And if you want somewhere which looks just like Scandinavia, where they speak a pretty close approximation mm. to Finnish, yes. apologies to your Estonian listeners, um, and which, which is where, where the beer is cheaper than it is in Scotland, um, then go to beautiful Tallinn and you think, oh, I'm in um, wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen or Stockholm yes. or Oslo, except I can't be because um, I haven't had to sell a kidney in order to get a meal out. Yes. Don't you have to sort of step over the uh, stag and hendus, though? No, you don't. Those have sort of th- th- those have dried up a bit, I suppose, because mm. of all the problems with um, with COVID rules. I mean, which are difficult enough if you are a sober, sensible person taking a good old look at this. If you're if you're a, a stag do, then it's I think it's too difficult. You fall at the first first hurdle, frankly. Yes, I would have thought so. And what about yeah. places like the Caribbean? What are the rules going on there? Because I'm thinking of oh. uh, popping over there at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, how many Caribbean islands are there that are sovereign countries? Well, I'm going to say 20. Changes so, by the week, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, um, and they've got 20 different um, uh, sets of rules. Generally, they're getting away from the... It used to be kind of very serious PCR before you go and a PCR when you, when you arrive and go and sit by the pool, but don't move and we'll let you know if you're OK to, um, to be uh, let out into the wild. Um, generally, sort of test before you go, uh, they're quite keen on vaccinations, but it genuinely varies from one place to another. And the US, a place that you and I have talked about many times, well, they're really kind of lenient in the sense that they just want to have proof of your two jabs. They, they're not interested in boosters. But the trouble is, when you get there, the rules are going to be um, 
different depending you know from city to city from state to state all the rules are different and on the subject of rules yeah greece thankfully has got a lot easier this week no more masks indoors except in public transport and a few other settings and um uh, end, start of may um greece is going to get an awful lot better too they they're going to lighten up even more on the first of june but then they're saying oh of course um, come the 1st of September, we might be bringing some of these rules back. Ugh. Oh, God, no. Heaven mm. forbid. Now, knowing you as I do, Simon, I've never spotted you to be a kind of a adversarial type of person. I mean, you don't even have a go at me very often, but you seem to have uh, found something on Andy Burnham's Twitter feed, yeah. uh, which oh. you weren't quite uh, believing, shall we say. No, OK, right. So Andy Burnham, um, former uh, Labour cabinet uh, minister, um, now mayor of Greater Manchester, mm. um, tweeted fairly randomly this morning, uh, return tickets from Manchester, India 343, Three pounds. Jamaica, £345. Brazil, £325. London, £369. So what he was doing, it's a sort of fairly age-old trick. He was comparing the absolute lowest, quoted on Skyscanner for some time travelling in the future, fixed. Yes. Um, airfare with the absolute most that only an idiot um, would pay uh, or or a company would pay of nearly 370 quid for a a, a two-hour return train journey yes um and um so in order to compare like with like i said right okay well going on monday what's the absolute most you could pay to and from manchester if you were kind of booking on, on, on this morning and uh, that was 340 34 but you could get a lot less if you were uh, old enough or young enough for a rail car right. and then the the airfares they were all kind of two three four times what he quoted so i've um, tweeted him asking to see his working please has he come back to you no, he hasn't yet, um, but I'll tell you who has. The man in seat 61, he's the international oh, yes. rail guru, and he's just said said to me, Sai, the usual story, that was a sigh as in, oh, as opposed to Sai. Sai as in short for Simon, yeah. yeah. It works both um, ways, though, to be honest. It does, actually, yeah. Sai, Sai, uh, the usual story, they're all cheap, limited availability, advanced purchase fares, except the rail one, which is, of course, the full, flexible, unlimited availability, fully refundable, good for any train, business fare for business people when the company yeah. is paying. And um, somebody else has, has, has said, uh, Prime Minister and government are using misleading statements almost every day. The mayor should do better. Yes. Still waiting to hear from him. Listen, I would have to say to you, Simon, I'm in complete agreement with you that these uh, Labour mayors are completely inflexible, uh, are cheap rate uh, and unreliable. You're absolutely right. Well, I mean, it's still a scandal that, that, that we should have such a fare as £369 to go between Manchester and London. But as I say, only somebody who really didn't care, um, i.e. their company was paying or um, was um, ju- just, you know, I mean, you, you can do it very, very easily yes. for an awful lot less. And the, um, yeah, I, I think the off-peak price, uh, 98 quid, that's still too much. But um, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, within the realms of, of possibility. And if you want to fly on British Airways, I've just found out for Monday, that's going to cost you, oh, hang on, £385. And when are no, they going to do away with masks on British Airways? Because American, Delta and yeah. United have all done away with them. Well, yeah, my understanding is, and it's all completely muddled, okay? So it all depends on your destination. Yes. Of course, the US has suddenly, um, the, the, the judges overturned what the um, federal government was saying. So, so the US is gen- used to say, okay, from the moment you even look at the plane that's taking you to America, um, you're going to be wearing a mask, and the same going from, from America. 
Um, that's still the case in, for instance, Italy. But um, airports, airlines are all doing things in a kind of slightly half, half, um, uh, half-baked sort of half-hearted, way. Half-hearted, I think is the yes. word you're looking and, for. Um, and 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 <laughs> a, a lot of people are still. Oh, I was going to say comfortable with masks. No, there, there are a lot of people I'm seeing on planes are still wearing masks. Um, it's you, you get used to it, but it's, it's going to be an absolute mess. Yeah. And of course, when you get to a different country, then there's still going to be various mask rules in place, particularly on public transport. Um, and so uh, just just keep your mask in your pocket, and um, uh, I, I will, uh, you know, uh, it, it, just just do what seems to be appropriate. Yes. And, Keep everybody happy, which I know is your job. Mark. That is exactly what I do. Uh, you yeah. won't catch me on public transport in a foreign country. I don't even use it here. You know, I try and avoid it at all costs. Uh, this is why I'm so healthy looking, as you can see. <laughs> Simon, listen, have a great weekend. Thank you very much indeed. Simon Calder reporting in there from a secret location in the bowels of somewhere or other, uh, telling us why Andy Burnham uh, is not fit for purpose. Who knew? Uh, this is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Accept no substitutes. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Coming up, Tom Hunt MP is going to join us, of course. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan has tweeted this about Boris Johnson. If Boris doesn't, uh, does get defenestrated over party gate, how about replacing him with a Conservative? Someone who doesn't raise taxes every five minutes and doesn't waste our time and money on asinine green claptrap. Just a thought, a very good thought as well. Because one of the things that I like about Boris the Wounded is that Boris the Wounded actually does things that he was supposed to do when he was elected in 2019 with an 80-seat majority. You know, for example, getting rid of all the stupid COVID restrictions and then making a proper stance uh, that might work, that might uh, be of benefit to the people of this country on illegal migrants coming here from France. He's going to send them to Rwanda. I think it's got to be a good idea. Barry's in Clacton. Hello, Barry. Hello, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, I was just listening to Simon Calder, and I just wanted to add a little uh, problem that I had. Yes. Um, We flew back from Miami uh, over Christmas with American, and it was abysmal. First of all, they they were definitely masked Nazis. Were they? Yeah. Uh, Yes. And I've got breathing difficulties. I actually ended up having to have oxygen on, on the plane. Um. But uh, that aside, I, um, we, we booked another flight to uh, Miami for June, right. specifically um, specifying with British Airways we didn't want American again. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of days ago, I received an email saying, oh, they've cancelled the, uh, the flight in June. It is now being operated by um, American mm. Airlines. They do that a lot, don't they? Yeah, but the thing is, it looks like what they're doing is, because they're so short-staffed, they've actually cancelled... Um, I think it's two of the three Miami tri- uh, flights that they do daily. They're only doing the late one. Um, and uh, that is from June through to September. And um, although it's still in um, Terminal 5, it's uh, with uh, American Airlines each time. Um, they, they've obviously underplanned. Um, 
and um, they're woefully understaffed and that's really going to be damaging to the airline and to the airline industry in my opinion as well. I think so because it's one of those things that you now get don't you because you want sometimes to be on a specific airline for a particular reason because you want either the particular plane that you like or you like to sit in a particular part of the plane and then they just switch it to another airline because they're all part of the same kind of network if you like and I don't think that's acceptable. It's not, and and, and um, the, the antics of the crew uh, over Christmas was ridiculous. The, um, in any normal airline that you, you'd fly from here, yeah. like uh, Virgin or British Airways, the uh, the the, um, the air crew, the, the the female staff have got their hair all tied up, and it's neat. Right. Uh, with American, I mean, they they call it the dinosaur run because they're so old. Yeah. But um, they. The, their hair was totally um, unkempt. There was only one girl that had um, uh, that looked neat. Right. And when they were serving the food, it was all over the trays. Blimey. That's not very nice, yeah, is it? Yeah, and, and exactly. Uh, and I, I just, um, well, we complained to British Airways, but they gave me the normal brush they gave off. gave me the short shrimp. Well, lucky you get any response at all, to be honest, because I, I'm told from people who deal with British Airways on a regular basis that you're very lucky to get anything out of them at all. Barry, listen, it's a good point. Thank you for pointing it out. Uh, if you have travelled anywhere, uh, in fact, we might look at this uh, coming up next week because we've got always interesting things to talk about on this show. Uh, and sometimes what it's good about uh, uh, having you guys call me is that I, f- I pick up on things that other people don't pick up on like for example i was saying people not going out to restaurants people not going out to bars people not being in supermarkets as much i mean i was in the sainsbury's the other day um a couple of saturdays ago and it's normally absolutely bustling with people and it was so quiet right that i didn't even have to queue up to pay at the end with my trolley let's talk to tom hunt mp conservative mp for ipswich because of course a lot of action this week in the house of commons a lot of negativity towards boris johnson steve baker uh, the uh, very very i would say grassroots conservative mp somebody who gets an awful lot of support from brexiteers but also from uh, real conservatives says that the gig is up uh, boris johnson should go let's find out from tom whether he agrees tom very good morning to you Morning, morning. Steve Baker's always been a man that, that, that the, public, the public sort of identify with as a man of the people, Tom. Um, he made a very impassioned speech uh, in the Commons yesterday, which we heard a little bit earlier on. Um, is he wrong? I think he, I think he, I think he is. Uh, and I say that with the sort of greatest of respect because, you know, I, I do um, have time. You know, Listen, we, we, on this show, Tom, you can disagree with people without falling out with them. You know. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, I mean, on many issues, uh, we, we've agreed on, on this particular one. I don't, I don't agree. I mean, I think on Tuesday he was supportive, and I mean, he wasn't yesterday. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, why that was, but mm. it's, it's for him to decide what's in the best interests of uh, his constituents in the country. I, I, I've come to a different conclusion from him, but um, you know, it's his right to to say what he said. Yes. I mean, the thing about Boris Johnson is that he is um, very much, um, you know, sort of heaven or hell to people, isn't he? Other people will tell you no matter what he does that's good that he should go because they don't like him. They think he's got no moral compass. They don't like him as an individual. They think he's a liar. All of those things that you hear negatively. Similarly, on the other side of the coin, you'll get people who think that he's a great communicator, that he's got Brexit done, that he's one of the people who can win elections for the Tory party and should be allowed to continue to do so. It's very difficult to choose because the truth, of course, is somewhere in between, isn't it? Well, he's obviously not he's not perfect as, a, as an individual. We know that. Um, I think he's got um, most of the big calls right, as I can see them, since he's been prime minister. He was elected with a... The stonking majority, a significant democratic mandate over two years ago. Uh, and um, obviously, with, with what, what's happened with these parties has been far from ideal. But in my view, I think <clears throat> him resigning would be disproportionate. 
you know, and I think he's focused on the job in hand. And you know, and I, this is this issue has, you know, I mean, I've been knocking on you know significant numbers of doors over the last um, few weeks and, and, and months, and this issue, particularly since the fine, the fine dropped, you know, it has come up a bit on the doorstep, of course. Um, but you know, but what's come up more on the doorstep has been has been other issues, um, and I, I don't feel as though. Um, looking to get rid of a prime minister and this would be the right thing to do um and i'm so he, you know, he has my support and i think in terms of um, what he's going to be looking at over the coming weeks there is now going to be some kind of a uh, uh, an investigation uh, into what happened there's going to be some kind of committee inquiry uh, the other inquiry the sue gray inquiry hasn't even published its findings yet i mean can we really have uh, can we really afford in the midst of all of the things that we're having to deal with two inquiries going at the same time into the <laughs> uh- same thing I mean, look, a decision was made yesterday to, uh, you know, to obviously to allow allow this 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 privileges committee uh, inquiry to happen. Personally, I mean, and you know, and the prime minister says he has nothing to hide. Personally, though, I I sort of think you know, we really need another inquiry uh, to, to 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 establish something. I don't think we'll ever be able to establish. You know, which is this this particular committee is going to try and prove whether or not the the, the prime minister deliberately. Uh, misled Parliament. Well, I don't really know how they're going to look to do that because the Prime Minister told us he didn't deliberately break the COVID rules. Um, how, how's this committee going to be? I mean, I know they can. Well, I don't know how you prove that somebody lied deliberately or not. I don't know how you do that. So, I mean, if I if I'm of a view that it can't come to any conclusion either way, why would I support a, uh, an investigation which is going to take time, money, and just be a further distraction and yeah. drag it out for another few months? So, you know, for the reason why I didn't particularly warm to the idea of this thing, this was third inquiry wasn't because I was trying to you know hide anything or whatever it was just because I didn't think it would be a bit of a waste of time and a distraction you know I you know when I knock on doors in my constituency you know this does come up from time to time but other issues come up more you know and I want the government and parliament to be dedicated to those to those issues Um, and whenever I go to whenever I get off the tube at Westminster tube station get into get into the House of Commons, it's just this constant, you know, psychodrama uh, and it's people whining, getting their knickers in a twist all the time and, it, and you know, I, I can't wait until I get back to Ipswich and I, I go knocking on doors. And I should say, I'm not belittling the concerns that many of my constituents have about parties and there are some who feel very strongly about it, but it, it, it is not, it, it is not um, you know, every person on the doorstep frothing at a mouth over this. That is not what is happening on the doorstep. And that's not my experience. And I think sections of the media would have you believe that that is the case. Yes, no, I think that's right. And as far as um, the doorstep, as it were, uh, the, the local elections coming up, I mean, are you seeing uh, that an awful lot of people are going to desert the party? I mean, is a party ready for that at the moment? Look, I think when you're when you're in a government and you've got you've got midterm local elections, I don't think you're really ever expected to do particularly well. I think last May was kind of like the exception to a rule. So, I mean, I'm not going into these elections expecting us to sweep the board. I mean, I think it's you know we're in government. It's we've got a cost of living challenge going on at the moment and all of this. So I'm not I'm not I'm not. I think we've got to be realistic about what what good looks like in a in a midterm local election. So, um, um, I'm not you know based on the. Um, canvassing i've done um you know obviously you got the odd person who's down as being a conservative he's like well maybe i might not vote this time what we're not got we're not getting people going to labor though we've got right. we've got people saying well i'm a bit pissed off by sorry 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 for my language right. um a, a bit annoyed about xyz so i might sit at home but we're not getting people saying right you know stum's the answer mm. um but but actually generally speaking we're finding our vote holding up quite well um i think it depends a little bit on the area we're in i think that it the more kind of genteel areas and the sort of you know 
um, chattering classes might be more um, get you know a lot more agitated about it. But um, but I, I I generally I'm I can only speak from my own experience, uh, Mike, which is the doors that I've knocked on, and I'm not I'm not lying in what I'm telling you. No, it has. Come no, up. listen, you're doing up. it. I'm it not. Up. So I'm totally with up. you. It, it, it has come up. I had one person yesterday who was felt very strongly about it. Um, I have people who have a bit of a grumble about it, but generally speaking, I'm you know I'm I'm not experiencing like every conservative voter from the door saying right that's it I've, I've had it you know but that isn't what's happening that mm. isn't my experience um and i do feel sometimes that you you get people in journalists in westminster who have never knocked on a door outside well maybe, maybe for have it's been in london right uh, and i don't think their understanding of, of where it's about is particularly but you know, we look at the polls as well the national polls you know there's some polls released today and we're, we're, we're still about six points behind Labour, so mm. it hasn't really, cha- not much has really changed. Right. And actually, and actually, for midterm, with the cost of living and everything else, and this going on, it's actually not that bad. No, it's actually not. It's actually not too bad right. at all. Um, no, I, no West- listen, I, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, the, the Westminster bubble and the yeah. pollsters have got it wrong, and I'd be totally uh, unsurprised by that. Final question: I know you've got to run. What about yeah. the parliamentary party? Um, you're obviously in Westminster uh, with other Tory MPs, your colleagues. Um, we're told that there's quite a bit of insurrection. Uh, that people are not sure. One of the reasons the government retreated yesterday was because they weren't sure they'd get the vote through uh, that they wanted. They couldn't whip everybody. Uh, is there a, a certain section of people who are now on the opposite side, if you like, on Steve Baker's side? I think it's it's it's, it's a much better atmosphere in the parliamentary party now than it was, um, you know, uh, three four months ago. I mean, the, the, the issue is, I mean, there's 360 Conservative MPs, and you know, when we look at the number of call for promise to public go, it's it's, it's actually a small number. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's um, maybe as a week's gone on, it's there's been a few more people who've sort of come out of the woodwork, um, which has been slightly frustrating uh, because I'm I'm just absolutely keen for us just to. Acknowledge the wrongdoing that happened, you know. Accept the apology from the prime minister, but you know, just, 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 just crack on and get on with things, you know. And the prime minister's been in India this week, um, you know. And it's, uh, I, I'm not saying with this party gate issue, I'm not, I'm not. You're not going to have me saying that. Oh, it's just the Westminster bubble issue. It, 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 it has, you know, it has annoyed many, many people from across the country. But I just, I just do not believe that it's a kind of uh, existential thing. Uh, and I think actually, um, I don't think it's a resigning matter. I think that's where most um, Conservative MPs are. I mean, you get a few who are, I mean, actually, Steve is a slightly different case, but you get a few of my colleagues who have just never liked Boris. They've always been, you know, pretty anti-Brexit and everything yes. else. And, they're, and, you know, they're obviously... Oh, yeah, just, I mean, I take no notice of the likes of Roger Gale. I mean, Roger Gale pops up to criticise Boris Johnson. It's like the sun rising in the morning, you know. I'm not surprised. He always does. Yeah, I also think there's a section of a party that maybe, um, you know, they, they, they don't, you know, we've as a Conservative Party, we've changed. Many of my new colleagues are different from perhaps what you'd expect a Conservative MP to be. We're, we're doing uh, much better in parts of the country we've never done well in before. You know, maybe there are some uh, uh, sort of Conservative, long-time Conservative MPs who aren't comfortable with that slight change in, in emphasis. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, things like the Rwanda, what was announced last week, I welcomed um, wholeheartedly, and I think most of my constituents did. Uh, maybe there are a small number of Conservative MPs who... who uh, who are uncomfortable with those sorts of policies that are overwhelmingly popular and actually deal with an issue that needs to be dealt with. And they'll have their own reasons for being against that policy, which I don't quite understand, but that's their right to have their position on that. Um, but look, I mean, I'm I'm behind the Prime Minister. And okay. I really, I, I'm, and, I, and I, 
I, I, I want him to deal with cost of living. I want him to continue to be as engaged as he's been on the Ukraine issue. I want him to deal with the small boat crossings and I want him to continue to get investment into Ipswich. Okay, good stuff. Tom, have a good weekend. Thank you very much indeed. Tom Hunt, MP, uh, Conservative MP for Ipswich, doesn't want the Conservative Party uh, to rip itself apart, doesn't want Boris Johnson to go, supports the Prime Minister. Uh, Tell us what you do. Uh, Do you want him out or do you want him to stay? This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. In search of the perfect debate. Listen online. Watch it live on your smart TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio, the home of common sense, of course. And coming on Monday, we will be brand new because we will be Talk TV. It launches, it's going to bring you a whole mix of news, a mix of opinions, current affairs, debate uh, and all sorts of other goodies as well. You can watch the long-awaited return of Piers Morgan on his new show, Piers Morgan Uncensored, uh, every single weeknight at 8pm. The new channel will be launched at 7pm with the news desk fronted by Tom Newton-Dunn and a whole host uh, of different people on a panel debate show. Uh, The talk is also going to be on, uh, that's with Sharon Osbourne. She's going to be on at 9pm each weeknight and the great news is, of course, that it's not just on the, all the places where you could watch Talk TV. Uh, it's on Sky, Freeview, Freesat and Virgin Media, plus the Talk TV app as well. A couple of tweets for you, Mike. Like you, I do not think that the time is right to get rid of Boris. However, he could do himself a lot of good if he showed some genuine contrition without the various caveats to his apologies that his team of overprivileged special advisers dream up. Well, I think a lot of people would have liked to hear him say sorry in particular, uh, despite the fact that he did say sorry 38 different times, I think, on Monday when he appeared in the House of Commons, or was it Tuesday? Um, People still didn't really think it looked as though he really believed it. Boris must be left alone, uh, says Jenny. The rest of his team uh, can't be Prime Minister. He's not perfect. Nobody is perfect, including you, as I told you last week, (laughs) says Jenny. You run a fabulous show. Boris is best for the UK. We're out of the rubbish EU and helping Ukraine and not getting oil from Putin. Well, apparently we're still getting some gas from Putin, but Jenny, I take your point. That's the second time you've told me I'm not perfect. I'm starting to get a bit upset about it, for heaven's sake. Let's talk now, though, uh, to... Uh, let's uh, Carol Sakura, who is, of course, uh, our favourite professor, a man that knows a thing or two about the NHS. Carol, a very, very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a lovely Friday, so I'm hoping you're looking forward to going into a weekend. We've had more stories this week about the NHS. You know, more people now waiting to see a doctor uh, for uh, any than any other country in the Western world, apparently. It takes longer to see one here. More people dissatisfied. Uh, more people uh, on NHS waiting list than ever. You know, more people complaining about not being able to get whatever it is that they need done. Today, we're hearing that the waiting list problem is now driving more and, pe- more, and more people into private practice and I keep seeing popping up all over the place and about you these kind of private GP surgeries in sort of I saw one in Canary Wharf the other day I saw one uh, somewhere in Covent Garden the other day there's loads of them popping up absolutely and it's, it's such a shame it's come to this you know I've been in the NHS for nearly well for exactly 50 years when I was first qualified and it has gone down the pan yeah and Okay, whose fault is it? Is too much management, too little investment, lack of capacity? It's all these things. And, you know, all we're seeing now is what's happened with COVID, it's blasted it out of the water. And so it just can't cope. Once you've got 6 million people on a waiting list, and truly it's probably more than 10 million Mm. for something. The fact you can't get a GP's appointment easily. I mean, in the old days, you could actually just phone her, you'd be seen the same day. Absolutely not now. It's almost impossible to get. It's like gold dust. 
And the problem for the NHS is the GP system is the access point. So if that no one gets access to it. So we're going to see continuous delays in my specialty, cancer, yeah. people presenting with later disease and so on. So something has to be done, uh, and not just politics. Something real has to be done to sharpen it, make it a consumer-focused uh, business, just like a budget airline. We don't need to spend a huge amount of money on it, but they have to remember who the customer is. Yeah. And that's where private medicine's becoming attractive to people. Well, well, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, you know, an awful lot of GPs were complaining about uh, having to go back to work on Tuesday because Tuesday after a bank holiday is always a nightmare. To which I said, well, maybe they should have tried working on Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. You know, you don't have to take the bank holiday weekend off. I was saying this last week when I was here, because I was actually working on Friday and Monday, the guy's hospital round the corner for us here was completely deserted. You would have thought it was shut. You know, I walk past it every day and there's ambulances, people being ferried about in uh, in stretchers, on wheelchairs, going into the cancer unit and all of that. It's a very bustling kind of street. Friday and Monday, nothing. I know. And, and if you think of the investment in equipment, again, in my specialty, radiotherapy machines, scanners, millions of pounds sitting there, not totally idle, but partially idle yeah. at week. And, you know, the excuse of all the consultants won't come in. Well, airline pilots are paid about the same as NHS consultants. And they come in, they take you to Hong Kong or wherever you want to go over the weekend. And they don't grumble about it. Means are found to sort of sort them out so they get time off the new in the middle of the week and so on. Sure, it's disrupted to family life, but it's soluble. And other countries have solved it. We just sort of... We, we want the NHS, we're in love with it, our NHS. And what we love about it, it's free. No one's asking for money at any point, but it can't go on forever. If we want to have better service, something has to give in it. You know, I've spent about uh, two thirds of my professional career in the NHS and one third in the private sector. And things change in the private sector. It's competitive, it provides services people actually want. Whereas the NHS, it's a privilege for you to be seen. That's the attitude of the whole thing. Well, that's the thing. And more and more people are reporting to me on this very radio station that actually um, they like to go private because they get treated like human beings, because they're quite rudely treated by particularly doctors, particularly consultants uh, in the NHS who seem to think it's their God-given right to sort of push you around, tell you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, instead of simply treating you for what is ailing you and for making you feel better. You know, private medicine is not perfect, but there's no doubt in the NHS the time factor I mean, I did, when I was a young consultant, I had a temporary job up in, in Grimsby, believe it or not. Ah. Suddenly, I saw 30 people come through the door, all wanting to see me that morning. No junior doctors, no registrar. I said to the reception, this is impossible. Right. How can I do this? And she said, we'll do it. We'll manage it. Just keep calm. I'll come around with a notebook. You see these patients that have got something on the skin. We don't take them into the room. You just tell me what you want to do if they've got skin cancer. Then we'll go, the people that have breast cancer, go and get undressed first. You just come in, five minutes, that's it to explain what's going on. Now, the amount of information in those days was much less than mm. we patients, and we didn't tell them about the options. But you can't do that anymore. You've got to spend time, and that's what's lacking. Uh, consultants see a maximum of five new patients in my specialty in the morning and maybe 10 follow-ups. Mm. What's and, the solution? The well, solution well, that's the thing. 
But the problem for me, uh, Carol, is that we've been talking about this for quite a while, you and I, other people have as well. I mean, is there a point at which you go past where it can't then be brought back to life, if you like? Is the patient dying, as it were? I think we've got to the point now that uh, when you look at us and compare us with the French system or the Dutch system, <clears throat> same amount of money roughly spent on but they're so consumer focused. You can see your doctor the same or next day. If you need, if he says you need a CT scan, off you go. You get it the next couple of days. It's all done. Here, it's just endless queues. It's like Heathrow on a bank holiday mm. weekend. Endless serial queues, security, passport, whatever, before you get on the plane. Mm. I think that is the problem, isn't it? And in the end, we need to sort of nominate somebody, I think, whether it's somebody from your side of the field uh, of clini clinicians, um, whether it's GPs, whether it's, you know, administrators in hospitals. It's almost as though we need to give the job to somebody to start somewhere to start improving the efficiency, because it's really about a conveyor belt, isn't it? It's about people coming in one side of the desk and going out the other side and getting treated somewhere in, in between. And it shouldn't be hard. There is a glimmer of hope, Mike. Is there? Uh, NHS England just appointed their new management board. It's like a, a company board. And the people they've selected are slightly unusual. There's a banker as the chairman, and then there's a series of consumer-focused industry uh, chief executives that mm. have been doing things, running corporates, running shops, doing things like that. And that's what we need. It's consumerism. We ought to make it... To, to be a pleasure to use. I mean, the whole business of the GP appointment is completely scandalous at the moment. And of course, NHS 111, I used to chair the East London NHS 11, does a good job. That's the answer machine. You, and you, the people who just had a week's training uh, answer the service and they follow a computer algorithm and just go down. And, and you know, it's very safe. And they, they, that's probably why you can hear all these sirens around here because they keep running off ambulances. Right. Uh, a 999 call when it's probably most of them are completely unnecessary because there's no clinical judgment going in so we've got to change all this right. and i do think that having the right people on the board could change it the only trouble is the board and the center are like being in a signal box where you've got no levers you put well you have levers but they're not connected to the signal so nothing happens when you pull them and that is one of the big problems yeah a lot of, we all love it, the staff love the concept, they're proud to be part of the NHS, so we've got to harness the brand and work out how we can actually use it much better for the sake of future patients. Yes, I think so. And it doesn't need any more money, um, it doesn't need really any more attention, it just needs for almost somebody to sort of pick up all of the broken bits of it and start gluing it back together. Because it seems to me that an awful lot of the time, one department doesn't know what the other department is doing. I mean, I hear a lot from people who say, I've gone back to one particular hospital uh, and every time I go there, they ask me all the same questions um, and yeah. they ask me to fill out all the same forms. And I've done it eight times and I don't know why they can't just keep the one I did in the first place. And, you know, what we're seeing now is a much more consumer uh, gregarious public. So they're using their mo mobile phone. There are adverts on the tube to even phone a doctor, same day, same service. D drugs delivered. If they write a prescription, you don't even have to go to the chemist. It's just delivered by courier, like Amazon delivers stuff. I mean, we're in a different society than even 10 years ago. And the NHS is not. In fact, it's gone backwards. So as you say, not more money, but a different way of organising itself to make it much more consumer 
labor friendly and not to have the drain of the political correctness that we have you know i went on a strategy day uh, last month a nhs strategy day and all it discussed was equality and diversity not how we're going to solve the problems we've discussed in the last few minutes uh, now equality and diversity doesn't apply if you've got really slick service everyone gets good service mm. The answer is make it better yes. for everybody. Yeah, exactly right. Don't turn it into the comprehensive schools model where everybody had to dumb it down in order not to leave anybody behind. You know, bring everybody up to a better standard and then I think we'll all be happy. Exactly. Fantastic. Good to see you. Thank you very much indeed. Have a great weekend. Professor Carol Sakura, Medical Director of Rutherford Cancer Centres, of course. We've been talking about the NHS for a very long time. It seems like forever. But certainly in this past month, we've learned an awful lot about what is wrong with our National Health Service. And surely somebody can put it right, can't they? Tell us your stories. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.